Turn with me to Romans chapter 3. Romans chapter 3. Yes. Today, you know, this this thought kept stirring up to me. Um, and I've been thinking about how in our society today, people were being drawn into this temptation to really just spew venom on each other. Right? We live in a... Uh, a a media-driven world that is constantly dragging some other thing out of us, some other situation out of us, some other tragedy that may bring it out of us, opinions, whatever it is. And I believe that this this constant feeling of needing to spew (laughs) is a device of the enemy to disrupt God's original intention for his creation. You know, when God created Adam and Eve, he created them with the sole purpose to enjoy the creation, to enjoy being here, to enjoy experiencing all that God had wrapped up, but then sin came. And ever since then, what the attack of the enemy has been is to disrupt our ability to be at rest and to enjoy what God has created. For far too long, we have gotten entrapped into this cycle that produces no value and no change to prosper the kingdom. This whole idea of spewing back and forth and back and forth. And I've told you that as a church, we're going to be kingdom-minded, not church-minded, right? You'll never hear me do a a campaign called I Love My Church. That's just not, I'm not going to do it, okay? Because it's not about my church or your church. It's not about proclaiming mine versus yours. It's about the kingdom, And we need to become people that are kingdom-focused and kingdom-minded when it comes to everything in our lives. The words that we say, the things that we do, we have to be kingdom-minded. But our culture is driving us farther away into this world of comparisons, right or wrong, a world of blame, a world of shame. And we must position ourselves to refuse to allow these opinions to take precedence over the will of God for our life and what God says that we should do. And the thing that I think really wraps up all of this and where we're going to go today is I believe we need to become a people who are willing to show more grace. More grace. Now grace is this iffy things. Some people like to talk about it a whole lot. Some people like to talk about it a little bit. But we need to get back to being a body, a kingdom-minded people who want to give more grace, who want to find ourselves in a position where we are finding other ways to be graceful towards people, right? In Romans chapter 3, we're going to read verses 21 through 24 to start, because I think we have to start by understanding grace, right? 21 through 24 says this, but now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe, for there is no distinction, for all have sinned. How many have sinned? All. And fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in 
Christ Jesus. There's key words in this that I believe that we need to latch on to when we start looking at who we are in Christ. And what, Ro- what it says here in Romans is it says it's for all who believe. It says that there is no distinction. It says that all have sinned. And it says that all are justified by his grace as a what? As a gift. As a gift. Recognizing that grace is a gift is literally one of the most important things that you could possibly do when it comes to understanding grace. Because we can, we, we can begin to change the perspective with which we access it. So I'm gonna, I, I'm, I'm gonna, I am going to bounce around a lot today. Okay, Ephesians 2, 8 through 9 says this. For by grace you have been saved through faith. Right? And this is not your doing, but it is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. You can't earn it. You can't buy it. You can't do anything of the such, right? So here's the question that I ask you. We know this. We've read this. We understand this. Why do you expect people to earn grace from you? See, I, listen, I, I'm, I've been just as guilty this. Years ago, Bethany and I um, were having a conversation. I can't even remember who the person was or what we were talking about. And Bethany said to me, well, you're going to have to forgive them, is what she said to me. And I said, get thee behind me. No, I didn't. Uh, <laughs> she said, you're going to have to forgive them. And I said, I will, when they ask for forgiveness. And she was like, that ain't the way it works. And I said, get thee behind me. Um, <laughs> See, all of the time, we are waiting for someone to give us forget or to give us this whole apology, right? We want them to come to us. We want them to, to explain how wrong they were, how they never should have done it, how they never should have done this, and, and that we were right, and we want all of these things. But when we are dependent on that, we're not giving grace as a gift, right? We have this prerequisite. On, and let me tell you something. I am so thankful for the grace of God in my life because there's not this prerequisite that continues to hang over me when I mess up, Right? There is this rich grace that I have access to at all times because it is free and I can't earn it, right? See, we need, uh, see, I was stingy with my grace in that story, right? <laughs> I was super stingy. Now, listen, I'm a frugal guy at nature. Um, Bethany is frugal at nature, really. It works out for us, um, except for when it comes to Chipotle. Um, we, we are frugal people at nature, um, but we can't be frugal with grace, guys. We need to be extravagant with grace. See, God is extravagant with his grace for us. But so often we are not doing the same thing. We want the grace. We want to experience the grace. We want to capture the grace, but we don't want to necessarily give it. Why? Because our feelings have been hurt, right? We've had a bad experience. Someone's upset us. Someone said something. If this was a youth group, I'd say you got triggered. I don't know. Some of you guys will get it. Some of you won't. Sorry. We have to become extravagant with grace. Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4. Because one of the things that I think is most interesting about grace, and this is a word that just jumps out at me when I read about grace and when I think about grace, is I think of the word confidence. I think of the word confidence. And in Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 through 16 says this. Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus. 
the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who is in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. See, listen, it says in here, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace. See, the enemy wants you to believe that you can't access that throne because you've messed up. That's, that, listen, the, whole, the throne of grace. <laughs> did, you, did you get that? Throne of grace, but yet the enemy tells you that you haven't earned it. That you've messed up too bad that you can't. The, it is called grace, people, Right? It's literally as simple as that, that we have access to the throne of grace, but what the end, listen, our confidence is disrupted when we start to lean on people to help us access that throne of grace. I talked to someone this week um, that called me and asked me to pray for me, pray for them about something. And I will tell you, this is a repeat caller that calls me all the time to ask me to pray for something specific. And I said to the person, I said, let me ask you something. I said, has anyone ever taught you to pray? And they said, well, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I said, so let me ask you something. Um, you call every single day asking for prayer about something. I said, have you talked to God about it yet? Not yet. I was waiting to talk to you first. <laughs> Stop doing that. <laughs> See, what happens a lot is our confidence is getting disrupted because we find ourselves dependent on someone else to take us to the throne of grace. We become dependent on a pastor or maybe on a pastor's wife or some other leader or some other person in the church. And listen, I'm not telling you that you can't go to someone in the church and ask them to pray with you, okay? Don't misread that. But when you find yourself going to someone else to go to the throne for you before you take the time to enter into the throne and go to God and say, God, I need some grace right here in this situation. I need some grace in this moment. When we're doing that, listen, what is happening is we're getting all disrupted because our confidence is supposed to be going into the throne of grace. Because here's the thing. The pastor is not the person who has access to the throne of grace. And here's the one thing that I will know more than anything. I cannot accurately articulate what you are feeling in your spirit. See, when I cry out to God on my own about something, what comes out of me is not the same as what someone else is just going to pray over me. It's not the same. Because your spirit is longing for something, and guess what? I probably cannot accurately communicate that to God. And better yet, God wants to hear from you, Right? He, listen, he, he, didn't, he didn't put a, a pastor in here or whatever so that you wouldn't have to go to him, right? The whole idea is that we are not alone in this, right? We have each other, but you are supposed to go to the throne of grace. God wants you to go there. We need to get back to a position where we are getting on our own knees and crying out to God because your access is not determined by a position or a piece of paper. It's not. We all have the exact same access to the throne of God. And we need to begin changing. Listen, we need to, when you said, Jesus, I believe in you, I need you, come into my life and change it, guess what? You had access. 
freely, immediately, instantly. And as I think about grace and what it does, for me personally, what grace does is grace provides me a level of confidence to continue to be faithful when I mess up. See, a lot of times, if you don't access grace, if you don't know the grace that is there, it is hard to continue to be faithful when you mess up. Because a lot of people, listen, people do this on diets all the time, right? Right? It's Friday night. No one's got anything in the fridge. (laughs) Papa John's is a call away. (laughs) Right? You call Papa John's and you eat. You eat some pizza, right? And you're like, ah. You're like, man, now I'm off the whole weekend. <laughs> like, wait, wait a minute. It's okay to mess up, right? But now you've messed up for the next two days, and what happens is you go into this crazy moment of splurging. Well, since I'm not going to start till Monday, I'm going to go hit Holtman's up. For breakfast and dinner. <laughs> right? See, see when you... <laughs> a lot of people do this with God. See, they mess up with one thing. And then all of a sudden, just they just throw it. Like, there's a, there's a gif I like where the guy just throws all the papers up in the air. And, and that's literally what they do. They've had all this together. All this have gone well. All of a sudden, they say a bad thing to someone, and they're like, well, shoot, I screwed that. I'll wait till next Saturday or Sunday, and then I'll get cleaned up. And then they go on a spree. <laughs> all right? <laughs> a sinner's spree. I like that, yeah. But the problem more with that is, see, it's one thing when someone fails at a task and they get let down, but when someone starts to point out how that person has failed, it makes it even harder for them to get back into the rhythm. Now, you guys have all heard my refit story, right? (laughs) Right? Where Bethany and I go to Waco and I go do refit with Bethany, dance fitness, boom, um, and it was the most horrific experience of my life. It was awful. Horrible. And I knew at that point that I was, I, I wasn't happening, right? But when I came back and Bethany looked at me and she said, don't ever do that again. First off, I told her I never wanted to do it. This is your fault. Um, But it secured the fact that I'm never going to do it again. (laughs) But see, a lot of times what happens is someone messes up in something that they're doing for God, and we want to point out their flaw that they made. And a lot of times we do it because we're really comfy in our position of not doing something for God. As soon as someone steps out and they make a misstep and they mess up and they hear from God wrong or they don't do it right or they they don't do it in excellence or whatever it is, we're quick to point out and say, well, it would have been a lot better if you'd have done it like this and this and this. And it's a whole lot easier to do that sitting back here with your hands crossed and just sitting down and watching. And what we do to people so often is we don't give them grace even when they mess up in their own lives. We begin to point out their flaws, or worse, we start telling everyone else about the flaws that we saw, what we saw, what we experienced, what they did. And you know what all we're doing? We're not showing any grace, guys. 
There's no grace in that at all. Honestly, more than anything, it's you losing humility because you want to make sure that you saw how bad they were, but you weren't doing it. You, you know, you just happened to be driving by in the moment and saw them coming out of there. Whatever it was, right? I've heard a million stories about a hundred different things like this, I'm telling you. But see, when people fail, when they miss the mark, we've got to stop sweeping in just to point it out and shove it in their face. Or to tell everyone else in the church what they did and how they did it wrong and how they need to be prayed for. (laughs) See, if we're honest, every single one of us, we fail them daily. We mess up. We fall short. We miss the mark. And yet we all have access to this unlimited surplus of grace that allows us to move past our failures, not move with our failures, past our failures, right? We know that grace is not a license to sin. We know how Paul says that, right? It's not about, well, you know what? Thank God for grace because I'm not going to quit what I'm doing. (laughs) I'm just going to grace it up, (laughs) right? That's not what it's about. It's about us recognizing that, you know what, I am messed up. <laughs> I got some issues. I, listen, I, I, I'll, I've told many of you, and you've heard it from me a hundred times, and I'll continue to say it. I'll be the first one to fail you probably, and I will fail you miserably. And I say that to you because guess what? I am not the person that takes you to the throne of grace. You are. Right? When we look at that scripture, right, back in... Um, uh, back in Hebrews, wait, am I, am, maybe I'm in the wrong spot. Maybe I'm skipping ahead. No, back, yeah, where we have a high priest, and that is Jesus, right? We change our perspective. We stop depending solely on some other person because people will let you down. People will let you down. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. We're going to read a couple of things here in 2 Corinthians. Because there's, a, there's an important piece of this puzzle, I think, when it comes to grace. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 7 through 10 say this. So to keep me from becoming conceited, because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content." With weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. See, our perspective of weakness and strength in the world has clouded our position with Christ. Because Paul says, for the sake of Christ, he is what? Content. See, we're not content anymore. Now, I'm not saying not being content with where you are in your spiritual relationship with God and wanting to dig deeper. I'm talking about being content with things in life, content with our, 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 uh, our friends or our churches or our jobs or our families or our marriages because we've allowed culture to do this thing. You deserve better than that. 
See, culture wants to tell you that you deserve better than whatever you have because it wants to break the unity that you blessed with God. And so the culture wants to say, you deserve better than that. Someone should treat you better than that. Someone shouldn't talk to you. Listen, um, I saw a, a funny thing um, uh, that a, a pastor posted. Now, this is just a joke here, but a pastor had posted that uh, he was doing marriage counseling with a couple. And uh, uh, the, the uh, pastor said to the man, um, your wife says you never buy her flowers. And he says, I didn't know she sold flowers. <laughs> But see, we take every little thing and we start to build it out in such a way and decide that we deserve better. We deserve a better environment. We deserve a better this or that. And what we do is we've positioned ourselves in such a way that we are no longer content. See, and you know what? The thing about being content is content is a state of peaceful happiness. When I read that, I thought, my goodness, how many people need to experience peaceful happiness. See, our culture tells us that we need to continue to do and do and do and do and earn and earn and capture and build and all of these things. But when you read what Paul said, he says, I am content. But what's crazy is when you read what Paul is, what is Paul content with? Weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, calamities, these are the things that he's content with. See, when you start to feel that urge to get your revenge, (laughs) to prove a point that you need to fight with all you have and let those naysayers see and hear what you really think, ask yourself, what are you doing for the sake of Christ? Right? What are you actually doing for the sake of Christ? Because, see, Paul here, he is content with being insulted. See, when we get insulted, we want to go tell everyone how we got insulted and how angry it made us. And so we're going to take a stand and we're going to start telling them how awful they are because that's holiness. That's not holiness, okay? <laughs> and it's certainly not grace. See, Paul, and see, see God, God said to Paul, right, my grace is sufficient for you. See, we want to think that we need something from someone else. But th- what God was reminding him, it says, hey, my grace is sufficient for you. You don't need any of the other things. You don't need their affection. You don't need to win them over. You don't need any of those other things because my grace is sufficient for you. And so when we recognize that his grace is sufficient for us, you know what we can do? We can start to share grace. But when we take these moments, when we take these hardships, when we take these feelings, these weaknesses, and we begin to spew venom on other people because we're not happy about it, because it's disrupted our peace, whatever it is, we miss it. And what we have to understand is that why was Paul content, right? That last verse says that Paul was content for the sake of Christ. For the sake of Christ, Paul was content. Now, see, we we think that the whole thing revolves around our universe. We don't. It's not it. It's not the way it works, guys. It's not the way it works. Second Corinthians chapter eight. Flip back just a few chapters here, verses seven and eight, and it says this: "But as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge." in all earnestness, and in our love for you, see that you excel 
in this act of grace also. I say this not as a command, but to prove by the earnestness of others that your love also is genuine. See what grace allows us to do. This is what this is saying here. Grace allows us to validate genuine love. See, when you begin to have genuine love, I mean, real love, guys, no matter what someone says, no matter what you think that they should have done, no matter what that experience was, when you can look at them and you can have grace, that's when people can see and experience genuine love. See, if they, if they spit venom at you and you spit it right back, where's the love? Where are they going to experience grace? Where are they going to? Listen, if you cannot begin to change your mindset in such a way to understand that you have this grace that you can access and it is your job to show people that same type of radical grace, then we're going to miss it, guys. And it's going to be harder for us to be able to share and to be able to minister and to be able to get the word out and to be able to change people's lives. Because, listen, if that is true, right, if it is true that grace is a way to validate genuine love, based on the grace that you're extending to others, what are they seeing? What is the love that they are seeing from you based off of the grace that you've shown, right? But if we can't get back to excel, listen, we need to, we need to begin excelling in acts of grace. You know, Beth and I, we always talk that we, we want to try to do everything we can in excellence. And that's why we limit the things that we even do as a church, because we believe that if we can't do it in excellence, we just shouldn't do it. That's just our opinion. We just, we just don't, right? And when I look at this in this act of grace, we need to get back to excelling in acts of grace, or we're going to just miss the mark. You know, who, who are you still offended at? A lot of times if I ask that question, who are you still offended at, there's a name that's going to pop up. I don't know who it is, right? But when you hear it, when you hear it, you can just, your skin, you're just like, I don't want to talk about it, right? Right? You can just feel it, right? You know it. And here, you know what, here's the worst thing. The worst thing about it is those are moments where you need a lot more grace, right? <laughs> a whole lot more grace. Because, but, but you know what, none of them are different, right? When we talked about at the beginning, what did it say? All, 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 no discrimination in it. All have the same access. All have the same ability to reach this throne of grace. And so why do we think, you know what, the good news is God equipped me. I am the gate of grace, and I can determine who gets it and who doesn't, right? <laughs> gate of grace would be a great wrestling name, Billy. I think you should use it. <laughs> but see, almost every single one of us know that when we think about that question, who are you still offended at, there's someone there. And that is someone that I believe that God is calling you to show some radical grace to. It may be your spouse. <laughs> and if it is, please show them some radical grace. <laughs> right? It may be your neighbor. It may be your children. <laughs> right? It may be your pastor. <laughs> I'm glad I got laughters and not amens. <laughs> Listen, these are the questions we need to start asking ourselves when we think about grace. Because when we start asking ourselves, who are we offended at right now? 
it begins to reveal opportunities for grace. I believe God wants to open up some opportunities for some radical grace in our lives tonight. So think about that. Who, who are you still offended at? Who are you still holding a grudge? You know, another one, and, I, and I've, I've heard this before, who when you walk into the grocery store and you see them and you really need to get to the spice aisle, but they're in the spice aisle and you're just going to walk away, <laughs> right? It, it happens, right? <laughs> these, are, these are the moments that we need to start evaluating in ourselves and say, you know what? I'm not extending grace there. Listen, it, it, could be, it could be a person. It could be a group of people. It could be a company, right? It could be a church. There could be some crazy, listen, there's, it doesn't have to be one person named Tom that you're like, I do need to show him some more grace because, man, I'm just getting sick of him, right? There's a lot of different opportunities where, guys, we need to get, and I'm telling you, I believe that it's time for us to get to a place where we start to extend more grace. Because, listen, there are so many people out here. They need to experience grace. Be content in the insult that they lobbed at you. Can I tell you something? When Bethany and I went out to launch this church, we had a lot, a lot of things thrown at us. People defriended us. People didn't want to talk to us. People were angry at us because we love Jesus. <laughs> Doesn't make sense, does it? <laughs> and what I'll tell you is, for some of you, that seems so silly to think of. But can I tell you that there are situations just like that in your own life where you're withholding grace and God is looking at you and he's saying, do you have no clue how much rich grace that I have given you? And I want you to give it. We have to be a people of grace. We have to excel at being graceful towards people. People will let you down. People will fail you. People will hurt you. And you know what you can do? You can love them. It's the most amazing thing that you could ever do in those moments. Because as they treat you like dirt, as they drag your name through the mud, as they do all of those things, you know what you can do? You can be content for the sake of Christ. Be content. Don't let it bother you. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty fortunate that I have some thick skin, but that's partially because I have a wife who tells me how great I am at everything, okay? Only when she's upset at me do I go, what? You don't like that? Um, <laughs> you didn't think that was funny? Um, but I can, I, can deal, I can deal with a lot of that. But some of you, when you start to feel someone upset at you or someone begins to say things about you, it'll drag you into this. Listen, I had a, I had a meeting this week. Um, someone came to me, and uh, they, were, they were very offended about something at work, okay? No one here. Don't worry. Someone, they were very offended about something. And I get the, the job of playing counselor at work a lot. And uh, so this, this lady comes and she's, she starts telling me 
how crazy it is and how rude it is. And um, I'm just, I'm just, I, I don't even feel comfortable around them and blah, 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 and all these things. And uh, um, I looked at her um, and I said, um, you're, you might get mad at me, but I'm going to tell you something right now. You're being very dramatic. <laughs> and she was like, what? And I looked at her and I said, listen, I know you're frustrated. I know you're upset. But can I also tell you something else? It's really not that big of a deal. Is it? And she went, well, I just feel. I said, is it? And she went, no. See, right out of the gate, we're going to feel like we're frustrated, we're mad, we're upset. We need to let people know. We need to we need to get it out of our system. But you know what? You don't. You need to, for the sake of Christ, you need to become content. Because you know what? It doesn't matter what they say. It doesn't matter what they think. It doesn't matter what they portray to all of those other people. Because guess what? When you are content with Christ, it's all okay. It's all okay. And we can walk in that grace and we can experience it. And you know what we experience when we walk being content? We experience this state of of peaceful happiness. And some of us need to experience some peaceful happiness and stop struggling so much with just having grace with people and saying, you know what, yeah, you talked awful about me, but it's okay because I'm going to see you in heaven because I know you love God even though you spewed venom at my face. <laughs> We're going to be at heaven, and we might be neighbors because that's kind of, I think that's God's sense of humor. That's just, that's just how I believe it is. So whoever it is that you're offended at, you might want to make amends <laughs> and give them some grace. Stand with me, if you would, as we get ready to close. I know this is a little bit of a, a, a different word, guys, but I, I, want, I really want each of us to examine ourselves, Right? I think this is a good time for us to begin to examine ourselves because I, I believe that what we are finding in the church and what we are finding in life is that people need more grace. And it's hard when we're not giving them any grace to give them more. <laughs> we got to start having some grace with some people. We got to have grace with situations. Listen, um... I have a um, I have a person that I work with who um, almost every time I suggest something, um, they usually um, they say they like to play devil's advocate and uh, do the totally opposite and say how horrible it is. And uh, I was talking to Bethany about it the other day because I was laughing about it, and she said, "Well, what did you say?" I said, "I didn't say anything. It doesn't matter. Like my, it was fine." And she said. Uh, um, she said, I don't know how you wouldn't say something. I would say something. Now, if you know Bethany, she wouldn't say something. <laughs> she would in her head. She very much so. But in the moment, she'd just be like. <laughs> but then she'd tell me what she was going to say. But, you know, we, we all experience so many moments like that in our lives, guys, and we've got to just, we've got to just start showing radical grace, radical grace, radical grace, radical grace, radical grace, every, every moment that we can. And so some of you are going to hear that. Are you telling me to be a pushover? No, I'm not telling you. I'm, that's not what I'm saying, okay? 
But I'm saying that there are some people that need some, they need some grace, guys. And if they don't see it from us, who are they going to see it from? Right? They're not. They need to see it from us.